0: Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. All right, there it is. Man, this is going to be a good one. I'm stoked. I've had to wait for a long time. This... This guy's very popular. We've, uh, we've had to schedule this one out and it's finally here. Who, who is this mysterious guest Casey? Who are you going to introduce me to? He is a marketing thought leader, uh, specializing in many things, including RevOps, demand gen, and quite honestly, one of my favorite marketing influencers on LinkedIn. He is all over LinkedIn. Um, like 10 times what I am. I'm just, I love following him commenting on his stuff. Uh, He's commenting all he's very engaged. And so I wanted to have him come on here, learn from him as well. And we can all learn together. Former D1 football player. We will talk about that. Four times Salesforce certified, senior manager, marketing operations at Service Titan, Daniel Murray. How you doing? Good. How are you doing? Good, man. Did I get it all right? Is all that still accurate? You haven't had any certs since we've last talked, have you?
1: No, no. Actually just my only certs is just from Continue learning. Um, so yeah, those are my only certs these days.
0: Yeah, right. Just the the cert of hard knocks. <laughs> exactly. Just, just executing. Um, well, hey, this is our, our marketing leadership series talking about LinkedIn, talking about uh, metrics and reporting. So I want to pass you this thing. It's heavy for me, but knowing you play D one, you'll be fine. Ugh, okay, here we go. Here's ho- here's the hammer. You got it, Thor's hammer. All right, sick. Take Thor's hammer, smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception, just set the record straight once
1: and for all. I totally believe that we need to stop having MQLs as a KPI and start. Marketers need to start measuring themselves on revenue and qualify pipeline. I think too many people are using that as a, a cop out metric. And I think that revenue. And qualified pipe is the metric to measure marketing off of
0: qualified pipe and and
1: revenue tell me about the qualified pipe side I think that it shows that you're delivering them quality buyers um, when it's an m q l it's just someone that youth marketing defines as someone that is a good um, lead and SQO is s q o sales qualified op is something that is defined by sales as a a qualified buyer like they think they could sell to this person so when you start getting into qualified pipeline you start working all the way from the top down on how could i have my message delivered better for qualified pipeline how can i um have my sales process better so we can qualify bit buyers better. Yeah. Um, It it really helps the whole process when you think about those two metrics instead of thinking about just delivering leads to sales.
0: You know, it's a, it's a tough decision to make because I know SQLs are usually a lot less than MQLs. You know, you may send over a hundred MQLs. You're not getting a hundred SQLs out of that. Yeah, that and 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 to be clear, that's when sales is saying yes. There's an opportunity here, and they're creating an opportunity. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah,
1: that's that's what I'm talking about. So that doesn't
0: that doesn't happen um, at nearly the numbers, you know. Especially if we're looking at trying to just look at vanity metrics like an MQL. Man, it 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 drops down from 100 real quick to maybe 27.
1: And yeah, but yeah, but the the problem is what marketers have right now is that they'll deliver, let's say a thousand MQLs and say, yeah, I won. But if we, if you go look harder down the funnel, there can be averting it like less than 1%. Yeah. Um, so you've one, creating a bad relationship with sales, um, which is not ever good when you're trying to have that, a good revenue organization. Uh, two, um, you're, nothing's closing so you're not really mm-hmm. doing your job like your job is to bring in buyers um, and three is just people will start overstaffing overdoing this because you're delivering these leads but they're not going anywhere so i i rather someone have deliver sales a hundred qualified people yeah. um that they could sell they could spend time on closing those people and they close at like a 40 percent rate and then you have like a good um solid pipeline as as well as i think what happens also is when you get into that mentality is you have to educate more top of funnel so you have to deliver content you have to get to the buyers ready you actually start investing in content you start investing in things to get your buyer to the position where they are ready to buy. Cause most buyers aren't ready to buy when they come to your site the first time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, so when you start thinking like, okay, yeah, I have to, um, get my buyers ready. Then marketing can start investing in stuff that is one brand brand related obviously. Mm-hmm. And then two, like better ways to get, Qualified buyers to the door
0: right you know i I was doing some math as you're talking because I love to bring it up like okay w- situation one you've got a thousand thousand mqLs and they only convert to an sqL like one percent they only one percent of those thousand are valid are like opportunities turn into opportunities and I did the math that's ten, and if my math is wrong, then oh, well. but uh and then I did a hundred. Instead of doing a thousand do a hundred and you do the 40% you're talking about. That's 40. It's more, it's like way more. And I only had to get a hundred in and they were much more highly qualified. And then we didn't have to, and then in the first situation they had to sort through 990 shitty leads to get to the 10 opportunities. But in the second situation, they only had to sort through 60 that maybe weren't ready yet. So I can exactly. see how you're saying, like the teams would—they'd have to staff up a whole army to deal with your 990 leads that are terrible. Like the MQL game is just.
1: No, but it's wins. also it's way easier to convert people, like people into buy. Like, you could see an ad that they're mm-hmm. not even ready. They'll convert. Yep. They some people like say that they don't deliver the ad, and then my worst is when um, companies deliver. Unready content leads or content downloads or stuff to people—it just pains me because those people are not ready at all to buy. And you're saying sell these people, and one you're ruining like the reputation of like you're trying to educate and provide value to them until they're ready, and two yeah. like um, they're probably going to stop subscribing to your blog, stop subscribing to your content because you're trying to sell them right out of the gate.
0: Right out of the gate. So that's like well, they just come get one one white paper, one case study, and then you're like, but bam you're like in their face. You know That's why people don't fill out forms. They don't want to tell you their phone number. You know you're going to call them and harass them.
1: Exactly. And I think like, I'm also a big fan of like ungating most content. I think some might. Interesting. Like, I think the content, the buyers of today um, are ready, when they come to your website and fill out a demo request form, they are, ready, ready to buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've done their research. They've, they've probably a typical buyer. And this is, we probably have the same thing cause we buy software, right? So when I buy a new software, what I first do is I'll go Google what is the best software. Um, and then I'll probably land at like software advice of G2. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go and research the site and see like, okay, which ones are better. I then will go ask, a marketing person like, hey, have you used the software? What do you think about it? Yeah. And then maybe I'll read some more articles on like why this is needed so I can build a case for internally for this. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I'm filling out a demo request form, all I want to do is buy. And um if you put all these roadblocks in the way for me to buy, like I'm not gonna block buy. Like that's like the the whole thing about it. If I have to go And give me my number to or email to go get a piece of content, like that that's getting in the way for me researching your product. Mm -hmm. So it's
0: it's that whole chicken the egg thing with do we want to capture the lead or do we wanna let these people get educated and so maybe they can become a customer down the line. It's a tough Mm -hmm. call.
1: It is a really tough call. And I think one of the problems is is that there's the Capturing the lead part, but they, you already will have like subscribed to blog and stuff like that. There's already those CTAs that if they want to get more content from you. Like here, here, that here it is. Um, mm-hmm. And once they've driven to your site already, every site that I at least B two B site is placid with get a demo, re- mm-hmm. request a free tr- trial. So if they really wanted it, they would press that button. Right. If they really wanted it, they would press request the demo.
0: Right, but demos are. That's a, that's a, its own experience unto itself. Usually
1: demos suck, you know, like, I don't know. I don't, have you been on any good demos lately? Um, I think one of the best demos I've ever been on was outreach because the reason why I say it's one of the best demos I've ever been on is because, um, they like took like all like my metrics and they made like a customized deck to show like how I would grow with like outreach. Um, This is my old company, but they took like the whole, Mm -hmm. like all like how many MQLs we're doing, how many like ops we're doing, how much like deals that we're doing. And they would show like how they can increase it and how like through like their personalized deck, like most demos are just like showing you the product. Like they showed what I, my pain points and how they could solve it Mm -hmm. with their product. And I think that was the difference between like a good demo and a bad demo is like you taking someone's initial pains and saying like, this is the couple of features that I can solve your pains with. And this is the future state of like what you, you will be doing, what will be happening. Um, so
0: It took time to just make that a little more customized to you. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, it, it's, it's so surprising when people actually do that because you're like, oh, okay, yeah, let me, uh, let me hear more about that. You know, as opposed to, oh God, it's just somebody, nobody wants to present that anyways. People don't want to present the same thing 90 times. And you don't want to see something they presented 90 times. We want to see something custom and tailored to what we're doing.
1: Mm -hmm. Speak to the buyer, you know? Like, for example, like I'm buying Marketo, for example. Like let's say if I'm going to buy Marketo. You can't buy Marketo, you got to buy Pardot. Can you uh, you buy uh, Pardot in this example?
0: Okay, I'm buying
1: right. Pardot. Okay, all right. They're probably they're probably Pardot has different tiers of like what sure. what is better for me, right? But there are some features in Pardot that I I probably wouldn't use, and if you're showing me those features that I wouldn't use, I probably would never buy Pardot. But if you showed me like let's say automation rules and show what automation rules could do to me or engagement studio and how engagement studio can like easy make your flow better. And like the, the ones that I really care about instead of like um, their crappy SEO tool that they have in there. Um, mm-hmm. Like a the little uh,
0: tiny dinky SEO thing. Yeah. Really like you start, yeah. Right. yeah I, hey, you, but you know what? But if I asked you, Hey, what do you, lo- what do you want to know more about? And you're like, man, I, I love SEO. I'm like, okay. Well, I don't know, maybe you don't show them that, but it may or you maybe you do, but at least you tailor it to to your point. Well, what I think
1: Pardot does really well is like they and Salesforce in general, they they partner with best in class tools. So like yeah. they they know like their SEO is not the best, but they will they'll say like go to SCM rush or like mm-hmm. whatever to like partner and it will connect with Pardot and blah blah blah. Um but like other tools like hubspot would say like oh we have our best like top of final tools like that is the differences between like those platforms but at the end of the day like what i'm saying is like show me how you can make my day as a marketer better like you could show me those features like in future state like when i will be using them but hone down on the features that i'm going to be using like the most um just yeah
0: focus it again not just just send it a bunch of stuff. It, same thing. It's like, we're, we need to get more focused on all these things, right? Don't send a thousand MQLs, send a hundred. Don't send, you know, don't do these these blurry blob demos, do something really tailored, like take time and, and everyone enjoys it better, right? Like don't do a
1: thousand demos do a hundred. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And it just, at the end of the day, like, it comes down to like buyer experience and, um, how you can make their buyer experience better. And I think like if you're delivering someone who's ready to buy straight to a salesperson, like the experience is way better. Um, it's not this, like someone who's like, went to my website and I don't, don't really like, they right. don't really care or saw a Facebook ad that said like, get a demo and they don't know nothing about the, your company, nothing about your product. And then you get in the demo and they say like, for example, Pardot, they'll be like, are you like a Facebook tool or something like that? And like, they, they, they don't, when your messaging is bad top of funnel, like they'll be like, um, nope, we're not as, or like, are we? Are you a social media management tool? And they'll be like, nope, we're a marketing automation tool. Like, this is what we do. Like, um, and then right. you have to go into explaining and selling way harder than usual and it just gets messy.
0: No, I, for sure. That that's that's exactly what happens. Um, LinkedIn. Tell me about LinkedIn, man. I and I, I, when I said to be introduction, it was so true. I I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you, you. It seemed like you have like three of you. Do you have like a? Do you have like a bunch of people in your house pretending to be you, just all
1: engaging? On I LinkedIn? wish. <laughs> I wish. Um, I actually. So I followed. Like my inspiration for like growing a following on LinkedIn, like not like um, why I started, but like the person that I look to that has done it well, um, like the OG is Gary V. Right. Uh, And the reason why I engage so much with my audience is because like, one, it's good active listening. So you can know what your audience is saying, know what you're doing. So for future posts. So I think that's one of the underrated things of social media is active listening. I think not a lot of people are doing it very well. They don't know what the audience wants. They mm-hmm. say they, they think they know what the audience wants, but they don't. Um, but that it comes from reading comments and engaging with your audience. So that's one. And Gary V used to, when he first started, he used to reply to every one of these comments, every one of these like tweet replies. And so, wow. so it was like really building an audience is one by one. Um, until how, you how do you how do you find time for that do you have to just like chug a red bull and just
0: go to town at like 1 a.m or
1: I block time for it so like yeah. I wake up early to post and then I'll have okay. like the first hour of my day um like to respond and then I'll I'll utilize my like breaks at work like I'll be eat lunch respond to comments and then after work I'll do it so I've committed to like um doing it so like I my goal is I have like this thing that I have to respond to like at least 90% of the comments that come in. Um, so like, okay. Um, like if I don't do that, it just, I just feel like a lot of people don't do it and it just feels inauthentic. So I want to be authentic to myself. Uh,
0: Yeah. So, okay. You've committed to it. It sounds like at least three times a day, sort of morning, afternoon, night or whenever, probably more than three, but like you have certain times where you're just going and you're checking. It's kind of become like a discipline to do that. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So one of the biggest things I would say to growing or following on LinkedIn is just consistency. I think Mm. showing up every day um, and I've used this quote a couple of times, um, but to be good at LinkedIn, you need B plus quality content um, with A plus consistency. I think consistency is a good substitute for brilliance um so like if you're showing up every day instead of like posting once a month like first nobody's going to remember what you posted two days two days ago but they will they'll remember you showed up that day right so they'll you'll be all over their feed so that's one of my biggest tips is consistency on linkedin
0: yeah, I could see that, not trying to cram it all into one day, not trying to, you know, take the easy, it probably ties into the gym or anything really, discipline where it's like you got to be consistent with it. You can't just, you know, oh, I'm going to do all my all my tweets and shares today. No, no one's going to, no one saw it. <laughs> you have to be consistently in their feed. And
1: I yeah. mean, and I think it's marketing too. Marketing is like yeah. a game of momentum. It's like you mm-hmm. have to be in front of their face. You have to... um you have to be top of mind, like the first to mind always wins, um so like that's like um and my LinkedIn to me is just like if you know marketing, you can be good at linkedin um just plain and simple like yeah it's copywriting, like know how to structure a post, it's like knowing how to engage with an audience' it's knowing how to active listen, it's knowing. And in the forefront is like knowing what your audience wants. Like that's marketing one-on-one. It's like, know your audience. Um,
0: right. So maybe, maybe some tactical practical tips, then you post every morning. Yeah. Is um, that a, like What are you just making a, like just like a quick share. I mean, I see some cool things like tips on books and stuff that are featured, but what are you
1: doing every morning to kind of put, put yourself out there? So what I do, I write post. I, I pre-write posts, so I block off time to write posts. Okay. But I also, every single time I hear something cool or hear something, I'll put it in the notes on my phone, so it comes up like an idea that I can use for a post. Um, yeah. So if I see like listen to a cool podcast or I listen to read a good book or I'm in a good conversation with a good marketer, I will write down like things that I think is interesting, so I can use it later then i write my post and then every like morning i i post because i don't want to do it during work hours so i just yeah, post in the know. morning i i i get in i early just because it's beginning of the day i don't think there's necessarily the, the best time i wouldn't say like 6:22 a.m. is the best time to post like i don't know i right. just post in the morning because it works for me and then i post sometimes at lunch twice a day at lunch or like after work like whenever i if i want to post two times a day if i find like interesting content but um it's just really like having that discipline like i know every morning i'm gonna post like that's just my in my head i'm i'm gonna post every morning but it's also i think one thing you can post every day and not grow because your content sucks so like you always have to have to have like content that resonates you have to write your post in a way that people can easily digest it um yeah have one idea per post like keep it simple like um i think there's like a lot of things that if you look at the best on linkedin Mm -hmm. i mean just study them like you can be good at linkedin Mm. just just like and i think that about marketing too like i think like if you study the best copywriters you can become the best copywriters. I think reinventing the wheel um, is n- not the best way to do it. It's, it's a lot of time suck. I think like you could reinvent the wheel, just innovate on the wheel that already ex- exists. Like um, right. is my key. Yeah. Um,
0: one idea proposed, keep it simple. I, I had a question that, that came from that. If you're, if you're trying to be consistent, now you're posting every day sounds like you've got this like list in your mind of like things that resonate with you because I think, wouldn't the temptation be to just start writing worse stuff, like just kind of shoveling bullshit if you're trying to feed a machine? I feel like a lot of marketers fall into that trap. It's like, okay, I'm going to blog every day. Then the blog posts decline. They're not as good. But in this case, like a post on LinkedIn, how do you keep it real? I mean, people are always commenting. They love, I, mean, I love your things. You had a thing on people to follow. You had... You, one post you had was like yeah harvard good call charging full price weirdos like you can't do that virtually it doesn't make any sense you don't need you don't need to go to college here's a bunch of great books right mm-hmm. and I, but I have to send you mine so one day i'll make that list but uh um but yeah like that that was valuable to people and they were commenting that way i mean not every post is a super winner but
1: how do you keep it fresh um one is i repurpose a lot Okay. Uh-huh. So, like, I'll take posts that were successful and just tweak it. So, I think like, uh, on my posts that were successful. Yeah, yeah, um, right.
0: Um, so that to, book, like a book thing may have been a different way because you're right. It's, is it kind of like Twitter where it's gone after a day? You no well, one's
1: gonna read again. I said it earlier. Like, like I think a lot of people have ego that people remember what they posted a week ago. <laughs> um, yeah. But they don't. So like I repost them and also your, while your audience grows, there's a lot of people who didn't see those prior posts. So, um, one is repurposing I think is like a key to like, like not burning yourself out and writing content. Yeah. Um, two is the note thing that I say, or a swipe file or something that you keep in your phone. Like you think it's a cool idea. Um, so like, you could post about that and probably other people would think it's cool too um if you're in that and second i mean thirdly i would say it's active listening like if someone someone will comment on my post like hey what are some cool podcasts and if i see that like four or five times i'll write a post about it because i know some people are interested in that topic or um if I see like a common trend on LinkedIn, like copywriting, I'll start posting about more of like copywriting stuff, like to like because the audience is wanting that, like mm-hmm. they. Or if I see gaps that people are not posting about, I'll post about those gaps to fill them to fill that void. Um,
0: I love it, man. This is good stuff. I I had never really thought about that, but it's so true that the little little egos in the back of our heads going
1: people will remember everything you said. Like, <laughs> you know, no. It's also only... like advertisers, right? So like you have an ad that was successful a year ago. And yeah. like people won't reuse the ad when it worked prior. So like, why not just why like not? repurpose it? Like, cause it was working. I mean, there is a point where it gets ad fatigue, but then right. you can always revamp that campaign and do it again. I think like, a lot of the time is people are always trying to reinvent the wheel instead of like just reusing, repurposing, remixing stuff. Like you can even remix like other people's popular posts, Mm -hmm. um, like, and come up with your own twist to it. So like, um, so it's like famous artists do this all the time and that's why they're like successful, like artists out there. Like they, they will remix songs and they'll put it on their stuff. They're like on their album, like, you know, just like shout out the person who came up with the original idea. They will like say like, okay, yeah. this is the song. Here's my re- here's like my remix to the song. And that's the same as content. It's like, you can remix content and make it your own, but the one advice I have is just don't plagiarize it. Yeah, just innovate on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, put put your your spin on it, your flavor on it. That oh man, that is it's such a good point about ads not being reused, but the good ones are. When you mentioned that, I was thinking of like the the Old Spice guy riding a horse. I don't know.
1: I remember the old like when. Yeah, I remember.
0: It was like it was awesome. Bring that guy back. What's he doing?
1: And I also think in like marketing automation too. I I think that what market like some marketing automation people want to like come up with this like cool new process mm. when you can really like funnel hack the best and like save so much time like there are so many people who have nailed down their like sales funnel that if you go and like look at their sales funnel and look at their landing page their form their like their thank you email their um, their follow-up like you can use that same format as your own and you've saved so much time that you would have spent like building and testing and seeing it for, for work. So, yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Coca-Cola did that, right. They used to every year they'd have the horses playing football or the, and you know, the Clydesdale uh, that's Budweiser, but no, no, they did like horses playing. I don't know. They're one of those beverages kept bringing that stuff back. And I was like, yeah, it's Christmas season. Okay. In come the Clydesdales income, the horses playing football and all that.
1: hmm yeah, it's just reusing and remixing yeah. existing content. I think like I think that's like a underrated skill that a lot of people do. Like for example, this podcast right now, you could probably chop it up, make a blog post, yeah, make a LinkedIn post, make a um, make a um, actually tens of ten LinkedIn posts out of it. Um, sure, you can make like a an Instagram post. You can make a bunch of things out of a YouTube video. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all, especially we,
0: we don't talk about just one topic here. We talk about like a bunch of different things. So each thing can be another subgroup of a whole bunch of clips and posts and
1: articles and tweets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's also learning the platform. I think one is like, one is like learning how to remix content, but also like the next is like learning how to distribute it on those type of platforms and what works best on those type of platforms um because great marketing doesn't feel like marketing so like you have to fit into a feed like you have to feel like it's native you have to feel like it's like something that someone is like stumbling upon every single day and that's why so many people say you have to entertain with your posts. you have to provide value you have to like add some humor because like you're you're taking someone's attention so you they're you're trying to earn their attention so like um don't blow it by doing something that's boring and not perfect to a feed and not something that feels like that they want to consume it like you're otherwise you're just hijacking and wasting time of your audience
0: man i was looking for a short video clip to quote you on to drop on LinkedIn, that's probably it, man. <laughs> so meta. <laughs> um, great marketing doesn't feel like marketing, you know it. It doesn't feel like a distraction. It fits. It fits the type of platform it's in. That's awesome. That's really cool. My question for you now is like, why? Why? And it sounds like you're doing it out of work hours, so it's not like you're necessarily propping up your own company, though. They, you'll probably raise them up just from the sheer fact that you're a you're a giant. So why, why do you, you're spending a lot of time doing all this LinkedIn. Like what,
1: what's in it, in it for you? I think the biggest thing one is learning. I'm learning a lot. So no, no kidding. No I'm kidding. learning how to copyright. I'm learning how to like build an audience. I'm learning. I'm networking. So I'm building like relationships with people that I haven't been with. And I think one of the coolest thing that I think that has come out of this is like, I've met people that I would have probably never talked to if I never posted on LinkedIn once. Like you probably, I would never have met. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I would have never met like some of these like top marketers that I've, I talked to now. Like I would never have, like, I probably, w- this is also helping me learn faster because I'm like thinking, what is some cool things that I can learn today that I could share with my audience? Um, um, what is, some things that I can learn from others today that I could, what what are some things I can listen to that I can just like consume myself? I think it's like made me a better marketer too. It's also boosted up my personal brand. I think one thing that people, I think everybody should build a personal brand. I think like it, I think it's the new resume, a personal brand. Um, I think like, especially when you get further in your career, like, your personal brand becomes like your, your resume. It's like people are going to say, work with this person. People are going to see your LinkedIn and say like, Oh, he knows his like shit. Right. Yeah. So um, that's what I, that's like the kind of what I got from it. But when I first started, it was just to like learn. Cause I heard that like organic reach on LinkedIn is huge. So I just wanted to learn the platform. Yeah. Um, and it got into something that became a passion and I didn't think it was going to become Got it, got it. So right, so you're just
0: sort of trying something out, trying to learn, um, just you know pushing on different things to see what would happen. And really, it's kind of re- kind of revealed itself to be like a thing. It sounds like you're having fun doing it too.
1: I'm definitely having fun doing. It. I I I have like a fascination with like social media and building mm-hmm. audiences and um, like. I've been following like top influencers and seeing how they do it. I think it's like a really cool thing in my book. So, I mean, I just have fun doing it. And I think I I have fun, like, learning from others and helping other people like grow as marketers. I think, um, it's the best way to like, I think the best way to grow is just give all the, all your knowledge away for free and ask for nothing in return and, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm giving every way that I know and what I, everything I learn and saying here, like take it and use it um, for yourselves.
0: Right. It's very, it's very giving. It's not, you're not, I mean, you don't, do you have like a course or anything? I mean, it's not like you can really, are you selling anything that you have? Right. Just, no, just I mean,
1: I'm starting to grow a little bit. So I'm going to be launching a podcast soon. So oh yeah, you should yeah. launch a podcast, dude. Hell yeah. yeah, so I'm launching a podcast soon. It's in the it's in the works. I've already recorded a couple episodes, so that'll be launching soon. I don't have a date, but it is launching soon. Are you?
0: Uh, um, Is it like just you talking? Is it you talking? No, to it's with a co-host
1: or... too. It's with one of my friends I work with Um, at my one of my old companies. Um, we're gonna launch like a marketing podcast and just Hell bring yeah. This could just be like a no BS conversation with like right. top marketers. So.
0: I think more people should do that, man. I love consuming content that way, you know, out running or mowing the lawn or whatever, you know, going for a walk in between meetings, just great to put on some, some people talking. I love the dialogue too. So that's it's cool. You're, you're connecting up with a friend and you're gonna both sort of jiving off each other like that. That's the best way to do it for sure. Yeah, and I
1: have some guests that are coming on that are pretty cool. Like I've already recorded like three guests that are pretty awesome i'm not gonna name them yet, but you're not
0: gonna you're not of, gonna name drop some names so
1: people get it can, do you have a url for it yet um it's it's live but i i don't recommend anybody go this episode zero is live but i just la- i pre-launched it so i can launch all four ep- like okay. five episodes before so this may come out like two weeks
0: from now so do you think yeah. two weeks from now stuff will be up and out and
1: exactly it probably will be up in the next two weeks to a month. that will be all those episodes. All right.
0: So like, what's the uh,
1: URL? Do you want to just throw it out there real quick so we can get people. Yeah. Talking? Well, the, the podcast is called the marketing millennials. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Um, and it's on Spotify and iTunes and all the major platforms right now. It's just like the, the first episode zero is just me and my co host, Emily Ferguson, just talking. Um, but this is the you, first do you thing have like a URL people can go to or so they just
0: search for marketing marketing on.
1: the marketing millennials yeah I don't have a URL of okay. it yet. I mean it's on Spotify and um, are I you can, hosting it on anchor anchor nice mm-hmm. yeah cool. so I've I just we just I just like started a, a couple weeks ago and I've just been recording my plan is like kind of the russell brunson plan of how to launch a podcast is like you launch episode zero and don't tell anybody and then drop like four or five episodes so people could binge it um so that's my goal so i want people to go on the podcast and say like here's a topic about copywriting here's a topic about content here's a topic about yeah podcasting here's a topic about like this type of marketing and then they can binge whatever they want to binge um instead of like hating the first episode and being like, uh, ah, I don't want to listen anymore. Right. Right. But the first, first episode is pretty dope. So, um, um, well, well I, I think what's, the, what's like, the
0: first episode about we, we guys chat about, well the
1: episode zero is just me and um, my co-host just explaining our backgrounds and how we got into marketing and like our thoughts on marketing a little bit. And then, how we're going to have some guests coming on
0: Um, nice kind of like sets the stage for everything to come
1: yeah it's just the episode like a pre-launch episode basically of like just what you're going to get in from this podcast um pretty much
0: sick sick well i will i will you know stay tuned to that if you get a url before um or we could even if you send me the Spotify URL or whatnot, we can put that in the show notes for this show, so people listening now, they can just go to the notes and just whoop, click right through.
1: Yeah, I can. I could definitely send all like the shop, the Spotify, the um, iTunes, and all those. Like, I'm also building a website for it right now. Yeah. Perfect. So, perfect. Yeah, it's it's in the works.
0: Sweet. Sweet man, it all starts with episode zero. You know, mm-hmm. I I kind of like you with the LinkedIn. You'll probably love the podcasting too. Uh, I just found that podcasting was was just like my jam. I the, I started out doing it just because I was like, man, I gotta write a bunch of content. I don't really want to write a bunch of content. And I and honestly, I was in like the old method too. I would be writing like epic, you know, articles on LinkedIn. You know, and it was just like all this work and wasn't really. I was like, oh man, what am I? maybe just talk, do a podcast. And then I realized I loved it because like you, I learn on these things. This is my, this is my school. You know, this is my mm-hmm. research. This is my $50,000 Harvard education right here. He's just talking to really smart people, you know?
1: But also it's cool because like the key and I think like going back to Gary V again, um, yeah. he's saying like, when you're creating content, create content of what like you're good at doing. Right. So yeah. like, like he's really good at talking in videos. Like he hates writing. Like, yeah, he, I believe it. And he has a ghostwriter doing it for him. We'll t- he'll talk and the ghostwriter will write an article for him. So um, like stick to like your lane of like, what's your, what you're good, good at. If you're good at all three, go ahead. That's why I, people always ask me like, why don't you post videos and audio on LinkedIn? And I honestly say like, I like the writing part better. Like I don't want to be on video yet. Like I don't want to do audio yet, but I guess I'm doing audio now with the, the podcast. Um, but I just feel like felt like at the beginning I was better at writing than I was at talking. I think I've got better at talking by just doing more at, like interviews and, um, podcasts, but, um, I really just think that you, you, you find you, you found like your first Avenue is better to be podcasting, which I think that's an awesome way to do it. It's just like create content and what you're good at first and then you can expand.
0: Okay. Yeah. Huh. It's wise words, man. Wise words. Where do you think this is all going? You know, we got COVID, we got all sorts of craziness happening. We're all getting virtual if not already do you is there anything coming around the bend that you're you're excited about is there any kind of opportunities that you're keeping your eye on
1: i think like we're actually in one of the biggest opportunities in human history right now as like people there are going to be people who come out of here with like full-fledged businesses and there's going to be people who wasted this time being virtual Mm. i think that like for me like if i didn't have and i think COVID's a horrible thing and I think virtual being like this whole pandemic was horrible but I think if I didn't happen like I wouldn't have built my LinkedIn audience the way I did like I wouldn't have started podcasting and I wouldn't have like seized the opportunity to do that type of thing right I think like that is like something that like these next couple of months are crucial for like people who want to like, cause you're virtual. Like you could do, you could do anything from anywhere right now. So it's like, just start something like you can, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But like, this is like, literally the, when are you going to have this much time at home again? Like never probably after this pandemic, unless something happens again in 60 years, praying it doesn't, but like, that's never, I don't think it's going to happen for a while. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I could see that being the case. Um, you gotta just uh, kind of roll with it and stay nimble. You know, it it's definitely a virtual world now.
1: It it really is, and I think people just have to get used to it. I think that's like innovate. This is, I mean, it's also like marketing in general. Is like people who know how to innovate at crucial times, like is like what separates like companies that know how to pivot. Um, companies and know like who would have thought that like like zoom would have exploded like their stock would have exploded like five months ago. It was just like this, this platform that you're talking to someone at, for some meetings, some people will be remote. Yeah. Um, it wasn't going to be a platform that was going to like gain 400 X on their stock. <laughs> like um, right. It was just going to be just an average like platform. Right? Um, like Slack too, like Slack has become like a crucial thing because it's a remote, it's a good remote tool it's like these tools like um but there's also businesses that are like pivoting that are like doing for example like at service titan we're doing contentless like services so like if they yeah. in our product like if a plumber comes to your house like the our software now like l- lets everything be contactless where that you can sign the forms contact list you can they don't have to come to your house they just in your house they just take pictures of like the the unit and they'll say like this is broken and then you they all wear masks like there's you come up and pivot during times like this and i think those are like what the good companies are doing right now right makes
0: sense good stuff dude good stuff man who are you <laughs> who are you can you like get take me back in time to like little Daniel days or whatever they called you when you were like two. You know? Yeah. So
1: who are you? I, <laughs> I, so I was born in Johannesburg, South Africa. No way. Yeah. Um, so I was born in South Africa, um, with my, and my mom immigrated us here when I was seven years old, um, to San Diego, California. Um, my mom was always like this, entrepreneur so she had a good big business in south africa and she came and started a business in um san diego and i watched her like be this like um single mom growing a business um Mm -hmm. after my parents got divorced like the the i watched her do that and it was an inspiration for me to just like be as successful as she was um so i watched her growing up working so hard and everything like that um and while i was doing that i was playing sports so sports has always been my like was my thing that i was like really good at growing up like i wasn't really i was average at school like i was um i was like middle of the pack at that but school is i mean sports is one thing i could have like separated so i played every sport growing up but started like going down to one, one to two sports when I hit high school, like basketball was actually my sport until I like realized that I couldn't play college basketball because I wasn't, I'm six three, but that's not center height and Mm -hmm. um, um, tall tall enough. Yeah, basically. So I was like, (laughs) Oh, I could be like a football player in college. I played, I started my freshman year, um, never played football. um, And I just remember one of my coaches in high school told me like, Oh, you can never play D one football. And I was like, okay, let me show you. I could play D one football. Really? Um, so my freshman it really year, said worked... like said you'd never, never be able to do it. Yeah. It was my freshman year. And I was like, okay. So I would go work out twice a day to try to get um, like better. Like mm-hmm. my sophomore year, I got a little better. My junior year I got a lot better. And then my senior year, I just like, my junior senior year, I was just crushing in football. And that's because I put in that extra work. I would go to, like, workouts at school. And then I would go do workouts by myself. Like, after, like, I was committed to, like, that goal of playing um, Division One football. Um, and then finally got a scholarship to play Division One football. Really? So, yeah. Uh, a couple out of co- high out of high school eventually just chose university in cincinnati um they were doing well at the time when i was there um and football has taught me like so much about like just discipline and hard work and what it takes and like the extra hours because college football you would work you would wake up at six and lift and then you would go to classes then you would go to football practice and watch film and then you go to classes at 6 p.m. and then you would mm-hmm. have to do homework, so your whole day was like stack. Which is like you basically basically doing a job for four years um, playing football, um, and then probably when my I transferred to the University of San Diego, my like junior, and I was a uh, I played football there a little bit, and then um, I I took, had an internship at Qualcomm, like because I won a marketing competition in college for it. Really. Um, and i was like okay like i got the internship and i realized like i really like the tech industry and i really like marketing so um i also learned love marketing from the time i was with work so my mom working, i worked in her company and saw what she was doing growing up so i was like okay i i don't really want i my passion is actually more in like tech and marketing than it is in sports anymore so i realized i just sports was just my like grounding. It was not something I wanted to be. So I started out of college. I was looking for my first marketing job. I took any marketing job I could find and it was actually to be like, learn Pardot. Um, So I was like a a Pardot consultant at like a a Salesforce partner, um, the Crayo group. And then I did that. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know those guys. Yeah, so I did that, and then um, I moved to LA, which was probably the best move, because I moved to a startup in LA, and I learned from the CMO there that was just brilliant, like, one of the best, like, marketers I've ever been around, Um, and my manager was one of the best, like, marketing automation person I've ever been around, so I learned so much there, and then I pivoted to a couple companies, and now I'm at where I am now, but it just was a bunch of learning a bunch of my path was definitely like non-linear like I didn't think I didn't know I was gonna end up here like I've always had a fascination with startups because of my mom and like marketing just because I am inherently more creative than I am just like like yeah I would say like like finance is too rigid for me like I, I like experimenting I like like Breaking norms, or well, you can't do that in like finance and other like professions. So um, that's where I led today. Um, and now I'm at Service Titan and running their marketing operations. So it's pretty cool.
0: Man, it's a, it's a whirlwind. Mm-hmm. It's craziness. If you were to look back in time, um, what well, hypothetical for you, I have a time machine. You can go back in time and, and meet yourself a couple days after graduation. What would you tell yourself? What kind of advice would you give yourself knowing all the things you've been through and seen and done?
1: I would tell a couple of things. I would say like, never stop learning marketing, like go, like go hard um, in learning like the best marketers. So go read those books. I would also say, create, create something. So like create a blog, create a podcast, create um, something as a side hustle, um, yeah. to just learn, just create. Um, okay. I would also third, I would say work on my copywriting. I say, I think it's like one of the most hidden skills that you can have. Um, so I would say like just continually work on your cop copywriting. And I would have told myself to build a LinkedIn or audience then like, um, yeah, back and start out hey, Like, um, I, I think, at that time i was kind of like intimidated by like these big names and like other people who i thought were i still think they're super smart people but i when once you realize like a lot of people are like the same as you like they're just human um it becomes a lot less scary when producing stuff um yeah those are the kind of things i would say and also i would say just don't take a job for money. Just take a job to learn from someone like someone, a great marketer, like find like a company with the, like someone that you can be mentored by. Um, I think that was like a key to what my growth. Um, I know there's a lot and packed in there, but, um, there's a lot of things I would tell myself.
0: Well, yeah. So I'll make sure I'll book you off some time on the time machine. <laughs> <laughs> And get you there. It's always good to think about that kind of stuff. You know, look, look back and just take a second to breathe and think about what you've learned along the way. You know,
1: mm-hmm. I definitely do like think of things that. But I, I still like always. People say like, I wish I did this in my twenties. I don't think like mm-hmm. or my like when I, I think like I don't think changing your like. If I thought of like in my 20, like 18 or my 22 year olds, I think I probably wouldn't have listened as much as I would have. Been. Right. So, like, even if I told myself that advice, I probably would have been like kind of skeptical about like what I'm saying. So, I think like I just enjoy the ride. I think like I, I, I think people should be doing this stuff. And if they don't, like, you're going to mess out on opportunities. But, um, Myself, my twenty-two-year-old I probably would have been like stubborn and not mm-hmm. listened as hard. Um, I, which I did some of those stuff, but not as at the scale I'm doing now.
0: Right, right. Makes sense, man. Makes sense. Well, so it's just steps, steps along the way, you know. Just uh, that's how that's how it works, man. Do you do you uh, do you still do anything football related? Do you like coach anything now or?
1: No, I mean, I think I might want to coach later. Um, down the line um football was really fun um i think it it was fun at the high school level because it takes the pressure off like the business side of it um, yeah college is, college is so stringent like money's involved it's a lot of like like jobs are on the line like there's a lot going mm-hmm. on like like high school is like it's fun like the it's like not as much pressure unless you're trying to go play college football like but it's right. not as much pressure, and I think like I think like if I would say my best time playing football was probably in high school, like I think like college was fun, I had a lot of fun playing in college, but like Friday night nothing like Friday night lights, um <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yeah i well, I could see it like just the you know the, the higher up you go, just the more intense and it's but the whole point is, you did it because it was fun, you know. And it, mm-hmm. did it ever get to the point where it wasn't fun anymore? And you just kind of, hell yeah,
1: it was a, yeah. It started being not fun at all. That's why I stopped. Like, I think yeah. like, I realized waking up every day, like, I just did not enjoy doing it. Um, and a football player has to, be, it's like a special breed of something. One, you gotta have, and just in anything in life, you have to have intense passion if you want to keep playing. Um, two, it's like you. Something has to be like you have to like get motivation, something to hit people all the time. Like, <laughs> um, it's like you're like when, especially as an offensive lineman, like me, it's like you got to get angry, like, and you have to find that anger all the time. And some people have that built in, then they can do it, yeah, like more than others.
0: Messed up childhood, and they're just like angry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, a lot of people come from hard backgrounds, yeah, like, no,
0: I'm not even, yeah, it's yeah. not even, yeah, it's real. Yeah, yeah. But did you did you find that? I mean, you seem like a pretty chill guy. Did you? Find I think
1: it? I, I the way reason I was better at football than some people is because I, I just used outsmarted a lot of people in the football. Okay. Field. I never, I was fast. Like that's why I probably I like, got my like scholarship, and I was pretty strong. But like, I definitely like knew like football. Like my football IQ like was pretty good. So like I. Um, I knew like w- positioning of like defensive linemen. Like I knew like what they were gonna do. Like I studied them to see like what moves they were doing different downs. Mm. Like so like, I kind of like went in there like with like my own competitive advantage, where like even though I wasn't stronger than like I knew where they were gonna be. Like I knew h- where how fast I needed to get there. Like uh, like I knew what I just needed to do to like get the play. D- like block that person so Mm -hmm. i think like it all came down to like like learning um being an expert at like football and i think like that's why people play longer like i think like the best players in football like have the best football iq like it's not this i've seen someone the strongest player or like the fastest player not be the best football player just because they're not they don't understand like football they don't understand taking care of their body they don't understand like Mm. um angles and placement and all that good stuff right right you know um has that helped you you play madden yeah i play madden does it help you i haven't played for like a year or two but it helps me a lot because i i know plays so i know right what down like i know i think like a foot i think like a football player so like i know like the first couple like first down you're supposed to get a couple of yards and then second down get another couple of yards and then go for, like be closer to the third down instead of like the or like and then do that a couple of times and do a play action and then like there's like oh interesting there's things like a lot of people go play madden and say okay i'm gonna run like four verts and like let's go like the, <laughs> yeah. the best receiver down the 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 way um, right so, uh-huh. Right. Um, you know, I, I was,
0: I was playing Madden. my brother's always beating me. So I was like, I need to get an edge. So, um, I got this book, uh, take your eye off the ball. It was basically like intro to football for people who never played it, you know? Cause I was like, oh man, I, the people, if you played it, you would just know. And like figuring out what covers, what, what's the co- what's the coverage? I don't I don't know. I'm looking at it. I have no idea what it is. It's so, a, uh, this book was in between. Cause it was like, okay, I know six points i know one point i know three points i'm like a fan but i also don't need a book on like the extreme side of like all the different plays whatnot. i need kind of the middle so it was kind of teaching me some of the stuff in the middle so i could uh you know outsmart my opponent when i was playing them
1: yeah you should like i mean it's it's really like especially defensive side of the It's like um you gotta know like when to stack the box or when to not stack the box when Mm -hmm. to like be like man covered versus like like zone like know how many people to be in the zone like there's like a lot of when to blitz and when to not to blitz like a lot of things like i feel like you could teach a course in a
0: podcast on these things i would i would listen you'd have one listener (laughs)
1: um i think some people already talk about football do they they, or they should like it's yeah um it's definitely it's definitely there's more that goes behind the scenes of one football game than people think like it's crazy like there's a lot of work put in it's like it's nine months of work for like 12 to 16 games yeah uh, do you watch the hard
0: knock show have you seen that
1: yeah i love that show
0: you know i love it too it's like literally my favorite tv show other than cops (laughs) but um (laughs) But yeah, it's something. A bit, like, it was eye opening to even see like preseason games, which normally I'm like, this is stupid. Like, who cares? We're always gonna lose because we're just trying to try out people. But to realize the preseason games for the guys that don't have a spot on the roster yet, it is their maybe four plays or one play to prove themselves or not or fail, and and they've got like kids at home and they've got families and it's and they're all they're all there's like a what hundred and something and they got to boil it down to fifty. Three or something, you know, it's like,
1: yeah, they, they used to always say in football, you're only as good as your last play. Yeah. So if you do bad, your last play, you can get cut. So, um, right. Like, what's cool about football, I think, is like, <laughs> it's crazy. Your, res- your resume is on film. Like, you, they, yeah. every play is on film. So, like, you, ha- you have to, and that's where it comes down to the same thing as content, right? It's consistency, right? The yeah. best football players are, are consistent every, like, they can, like, we, they used to grade us, like, every game in football, so, like, like, if you came out, like, 80 to 90 percent, like, doing your job, like, you were, those are the best players, like, they, they consistently, like, did their job, like, did it well, um, Mm -hmm. and they showed up every day and did that, and I think people, it builds trust, it builds, like, um, it builds, like, this like you can rely on that person next to you because you know they're gonna do their job. Um, yeah, and I think that separates like good players versus great players is like consistency. Like you know, like Tom Brady's gonna come out and like consistently perform. Where right, um, you don't know like um, I do like name a crappy quarterback out there. Um, this. I don't know. We want to name. I've been a patriot so long. I don't. I don't yeah. know what to say to that. But <laughs> um, there's a, a bunch of different quarterbacks that will come out and, like, Jameis Winston, for example, okay. like, will come out and, like, one day game he will have his bet, like, the best game of his life. The next day he will, like, fail. Like, and right. I like, feel like so many interceptions. You're like, what? What just happened? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, the the consistent players like come out every day and perform, and that's why they get paid. That's why they do what they do. And I think it. Translate well in like work life too. Like, if mm-hmm. you consistently show up and do your job and like do it well, like people start trusting in you. Like, content too. Consistently show up, write good content, mm-hmm. do it every day. Like, you'll like gain trust. You'll build an audience. You will like, so all boils down to being consistent, right. consistently good. Consistently good. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. to be consistently perfect, you could just have to be consistently good. Yeah.
0: Ties it all back into the, the beginning and just LinkedIn marketing, all that just consistently. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right on, man. Where can people connect with you? They want to reach out. They want to become another follower like myself of you on LinkedIn. Um,
1: One Daniel of your 13,000 followers. <laughs> yeah. Daniel Murray on LinkedIn is probably where I'm the most active. Um, and then I have a Twitter. I just kind of started posting on Twitter. I I wasn't a big Twitter fan, but now I'm becoming a little bit of a Twitter fan, but Mm -hmm. I've done a big following, but Deemer 68 there. Uh, So D-M-U-R-R 68. And then my podcast is going to be launching soon. So I hope you guys check that out. Um, The Marketing Millennials. um,
0: Yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely do that. We'll link to it from the show notes and all that stuff, man. Well, dude, this has been fun. You have to keep, no, keep me the loop. I'll, I'll check out the show and just stay in touch and I'll, I'll be, you know, watching your stuff and commenting and look forward to learning from you some more on LinkedIn. You as well. Right on, right on. So for those people listening, if you learned something, and I know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here, or one page, front and back, there it is, then uh, share this with someone. Be a thought leader. LinkedIn's the place. Daniel's the guy, what you do, but you don't just post it, but share what you learned, your takeaways, and then tag him, tag me. We'll have a conversation. That's how you do it. Learn from this guy, follow him on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, man. Hey, thanks again, Daniel. Appreciate it, dude. You're you're the man. And uh, thanks again. Thank you. All right. Those people listening, this has been the hardcore marketing show. We will catch you all next time.